Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. We see that even in our laws today. There has to be a consequence for sin. If there are no consequences for sin, then we we live, then everybody thinks that they can get away with it, and there's really no deterrent for sin. There's no deterrent for crime. And that's, folks, that's exactly what we're living in today. Most people can commit a crime. This is amazing. You can commit a crime. You could be caught in the middle of it. You could be caught murdering somebody, but because the police officer didn't read the Miranda warning to you, you get off scot-free. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. As Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 9 today, we hear of God's penalty for the sin of idolatry. God threatened to destroy the nation of Israel and start all over with Moses as the center of a new nation. As a result of Moses' cry for mercy, the Lord listened and relented. However, there would still be consequences to their sin in the future. Because of God's love, he chose to be merciful. This reminds us of how Christ heard our cries for mercy, and because of his shed blood, he spared the punishment we deserve. Let's join Pastor Rob with this important message. It's that simple. That is the best news going. You mean I don't have to write the church a big check? No, keep your money. He doesn't care about money. He cares about you. He cares about your soul. You know, sometimes we forget about that. You know, this building is nothing. God with a, a, just a thought can blow away this thing and the foundation would be discovered. <laughs> means nothing to him, but the people who are in it, oh, precious and valuable to him. A chosen generation, a nation of priests, a holy nation, a peculiar people, a purchased people. That's what it means. You've been purchased with the blood of Jesus. And notice what it says, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, into Gehenna. In verse 15 he says, So I turned, and I came down from the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire, and the two tables, tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God, and, and you had made for yourselves a molded calf, and you had turned aside quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. He had commanded you. And, you know, they had broken the commandments. I mean, if you just look at in Exodus chapter 5, what, what did they break? Well, the very first few commandments. Didn't he say in Exodus chapter 20? 
He says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me, nor shall you make yourself a carved image, any likeness of that which is in heaven above or, uh, or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. Notice, of those who hate me. Of those who hate me. So this whole idea of generational sin, you can forget about that. Because if you're continuing in your sin, God's going to continue to deal with you, regardless of how many generations. You know, if your dad was an alcoholic, then you're an alcoholic, and then you have kids, and your kids are alcoholics. Guess what? God is going to deal with all of them. But aren't you glad? And I was one of those kids in my family line, somewhere along the line, some, by some grace of God, he makes me aware of his, of his presence, makes me aware of his forgiveness of, 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 of Christ. And all of a sudden, the chain is broken. <laughs> and now I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm going to heaven, not because I did anything right, but because I just believed in him. The chain was broken. And now the blessing comes out. And this wasn't, you know, the, these, um, this was a sinful thing that they did. And, and, the, and the language is even more explicit that when they sat down and, and they began to eat and they rose up to play. The Bible says, and this wasn't some kind of you know cute thing. It was it was uh, sexual in nature, we believe, and it was perverse. And here they are dancing before this idol that they had made. In verse seventeen, he goes on. He says, "Then I took the two tablets, and I threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes, and I fell down before the Lord as at the first forty days and forty nights." I neither ate bread again. Notice, he didn't eat bread again. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Let me tell you, if you fast for three days, you're going to know it. <laughs> we've had, we've had, I've had the um, opportunity to fast with the body. We, did, we used to do this many years ago. We, we'd do it all together, and it, it, was, it was interesting. We learned a lot about ourselves. And, and a lot of times we, we, we kind of do it just as, you know, we, we want to get closer to the Lord, and, and that's all fine and good. You know, and we should, you know, if the Lord calls you to fast, then you do it, you know. You don't have to walk around and make a big deal of it, but, um, but you got to do it right. You know, you got you to make sure you, you know, to get, to get off of a fast and to get on, or to do a fast and get off of it, you got to be careful, right? Because there were people who were fasting for uh, four or five days, and then as soon as the, we broke the fast, everybody went down to Denny's and is getting a big plate of eggs and hash browns and everything like that, and they got sick. Because they, you know, their bodies just weren't ready for that. You got to start off with like rice and, you know, maybe some broth and, you know, stuff like that. Just slowly introduce your body back to food, you know. But he did this for forty days and forty nights. Again, he does it. He goes, "I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all of your sin which you committed in in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure which which." with which the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me also at that time. I love that. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron and would have destroyed him. And so I prayed for Aaron also at the time. And, you know, you think about the grace that God had given to Aaron. You know, he had given grace to Aaron. You know, God could have wiped him out. He was a high priest. He was supposed to be the example 
And yet we don't hear of God wiping him out. He was angry, and yet we had this man, Moses, and what a great example he is. And he ought to remind us of, our, of his, his Lord because Jesus was the mediator between God and man. He is our intercessor. And what was happening here is Moses was interceding on behalf of all these people. And I can't help but wonder if God was just seeing, what are you going to do, Moses? Are you going to badmouth them? Or, you know, I mean, think about it. He says, I'm going to wipe these people out and start over with you. And, and the wrong heart would have been, yeah, Lord, let's do it together. I'll sit back and watch. You smoke them. Just, you know, especially that group right there. Yeah, he owes me money, so zap him first, Lord. And, uh, you know, he didn't do that. Moses fell apart. He's like, Lord, if you're going to remove them, he goes, he goes if you're going to do this, then blot out my name. Take me out of the equation. Take me, Lord. <laughs> and what an example that is. And we see that character, that same attitude in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And no doubt God was revealing something of himself through Moses. Those times on those mountains, those 40 days, two times, 40 days and 40 nights, fasting and and, and praying and just being at the feet of the Lord and to think about what God was doing in this man. And pretty soon he's like, you know what? My heart is broken because of this, and I'm not happy about it. In fact, he intercedes for them. He loves them. And I love what it says in First Timothy chapter 2. It says, there is, one, there is only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And this is what the role of a priest is, what the role of an intermediator is. He takes the needs of the people to God and takes the things of God and brings it to the people. And that's exactly what Jesus is. And this very uh, character is being worked out in Moses' life. And I bet God, all the, all the while seeing all this, he's just smiling in his heart because he's seeing what he's, what he's doing in the life of Moses. Because Moses didn't have it in him. Remember, he was a man filled with anger, that's why he couldn't go into the promised land. God told him one time in Exodus 17, he says, he told him first just to smite the rock once, right? He smote the rock with the rod. The water came out. Later on, several months later, they're in the same situation at a different spot. Lord tells him, now just go speak to the rock, Moses. And at this time, he had had it up. He would had it up to here with these people. <laughs> and he's like, I'll give him water. He takes out the Louisville slugger. And he takes that rod and he goes and he smacks that thing twice. God, in his grace, the water comes. But he says, Moses, you've misrepresented me. You're not going to enter the promised land. That's the consequence for your sin. There has to be consequences for sin, right? As our children disobey us, there has to be consequences. We see that even in our laws today. There has to be a consequence for sin. If there are no consequences for sin, then we, we live, then everybody thinks that they can get away with it, and there's really no deterrent for sin. There's no deterrent for crime. And that's, folks, that's exactly what we're living in today. Most people can commit a crime. This is amazing. You can commit a crime. You could be caught in the middle of it. You could be caught murdering somebody, but because the police officer didn't read the Miranda warning to you, you get off scot-free. You know, these kinds of crazy things. And, and you know, but God never worked that way. He never worked that way. And there's so many crazy things and little things that, little loopholes that, uh, you know, you get off on. And, but here's the thing, that that soul who commits these things, they may get off in this life, but if they don't turn from their sin and receive Christ, they will pay. They will pay. And God doesn't delight in that, neither should we. It's better for that person to repent of their sin. God will forgive them of the murder. 
Isn't that amazing? God can forgive a man of murder? That's amazing grace. Verse 21 here in chapter 9. We're going to finish up here in just a few moments. It says, Then I took your sin. Notice he, he takes the, the little calf and he, he, he takes it and he calls it your sin. I took the sin, the calf which you had made, and I burned it with fire. I crushed it and I ground it very small until it was fine as dust. I threw its dust into the brook that descended from the mountain. And in Exodus chapter 20, uh, at 32, it actually says that once he did that, he made them drink from the water. Did God tell him to do that? Think of the anger of Moses, and yet God is silent about it. There's no mention of it. You know, he takes this thing. I mean, I can understand, you know, in his righteous anger. You know, he could take that thing and he could crush it all up and, and throw it in the stream. And he's like, now you drink it. <laughs> you ever seen somebody like that? Just a Neanderthal. Just, you know, this bull. You know, just mad and going to make your point. And so he makes them drink it. And God never told him to do that. He didn't say, Moses, break it up in a powder, throw it in a thing and make them drink it. So they're drinking, you know, these, these elements of gold in their system. I can't imagine that's really healthy for you, right? He's so beautiful inside because he's got gold. Yeah, you can laugh. It's funny. Is it funny? Maybe. So notice in verse 22, he says, Also at Tabrah and Mesa and Kibroth Hata'avah. These are, he says, you provoke the Lord to wrath. And in these three different places, we're not going to go there because we don't have time, but Tabrah, the word literally means burning, and it's recorded for us in Numbers chapter 11. Uh, verses 1 through 4, were a great burning because of their rebellion. God literally allowed fire to consume some of them. And also in, in Mesa, and the, the name of that means tempted, and that's in Exodus chapter 17 where they complained about the water. And, and, and finally God had to allow them to uh, receive the water by, being, by Moses striking the rock. And then at Kibroth Hata'avah, the graves of craving. This is in Numbers chapter 11. And this is when the, the, they crave for meat because they missed the meat that they had in, in Egypt. And now they're like, we're tired of manna. We're tired of manna kati. We're tired of manna burgers, manna malts, manna fritters. I mean, they had manna everything. And they're just like, man, this is really bad. So uh, they, they got really tired of that and they wanted meat. And so God gave them meat. And he, he judged them because of their, their lust. Verse 23, he said, Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and you did not believe in him nor obey his voice. You have been a rebellious. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. And he's telling this to this next generation. He's telling them, this is the way your fathers were. And by the way, this same character, this same nature, by the way, is in you as well. Oh, not me. I'm not like that. I mean, they're like that, but <laughs> not me. You know, God's saying, no, it's in you too. You just haven't had the right circumstances to bring it out. Have you ever noticed that? We can think that we're really good, and all God has to do is allow a circumstance in our life, and boy, we can, it's amazing to me, the things that I don't think I have a problem with. And God says, you don't think you have a problem with that. You think you're really good at that. Hmm. Okay. See in a couple days, and the next thing you know, you're in traffic. Somebody cuts you off, and, you know, you're, you're pulling out that 50 caliber machine gun on the top of your car. You know, and these rounds are just flying everywhere, and, you you know. And God's going, is that really your heart? And you're like, I guess so, Lord, you know. 
But he doesn't delight in that, right? <laughs> but this right circumstance puts us over the edge, and then we're surprised when we respond a certain way. And God knew it all along. Thus I prostrated myself before the Lord. Forty days and forty nights I kept prostrating myself. That, that literally means to lay yourself thin, literally to lay on your stomach with your face in the dust and your hands out like that. He was completely undone. Have you ever been so desperate that you did that? Usually when people get like that, it's because they've lost a son or lost a daughter, and they're just in their privacy of their room. They're just crying out to God in desperation. You know? Sometimes, you know, God always responds to desperation. Don't be afraid to do that. (laughs) Shut your door, lock it so nobody can see you, and you can just go in there and just lay yourself on the ground and just put yourself in ashes in a sense, and you're just saying, Lord, I am... I am all yours, and Lord, forgive me, for I am a sinful man. I need you, God, to consume me, every part of me. Would you please do that? And you know what? I, I know that God loves it when, when we're willing to take that kind of stance before him. He'll never regret, you'll never regret it. You will come away a victor. You will come away blessed and filled Don't be afraid to prostrate yourself before the Lord. I think that's some of the sweetest times of worship. So he prostrated himself for 40 days and 40 nights because the Lord said he would destroy you, and that is what is called intercession. That is called intercession. Verse 26, Therefore I prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord God, do not destroy your people. Notice now Moses is is putting it back. God says, No, they're your people. And now finally Moses is saying, O Lord, they're your people. (laughs) They're your people. Your inheritance, whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. And I love God, you know, or Moses, just turning this back to God. And it wasn't out of vindictiveness, but it was just a, it was the truth. These people belong to you, Lord. You have redeemed them. And you're going to see them through it, just like he's going to see us through it. Remember your servants, he said, verse 27, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not look on their stubbornness of this people or on their wickedness of their sin, lest the land and he's speaking of Egypt here, from which you brought us should say, because the Lord was not able to bring them to the land which he promised them, and because he hated them, he has brought them out to kill them in the wilderness. Now notice the vantage point that Moses was really coming at. Was he he coming at it from a personal anger? No. If you look at this last couple of verses, he's really talking about, Lord, because he's talking about the glory of God. The people of the land of Egypt are going to start saying this. And the promises that you made, Lord, they're going to say that you weren't able to accomplish what you had promised. And notice, you know, Moses is just putting God on display, his character, and he's saying, well, God, this is who you are. And again, this is a test. What are you going to do with this knowledge, Moses? And, and, and he passes the test. He doesn't put himself on display. He puts God's faithfulness, God's promises on display, which is a very good ground that we can, we can lay things at. And so we need to be careful when we talk to people that we don't defend ourselves, but rather if we are going to defend anything, let's defend God's glory, not ourselves. If somebody gets mad at you, let them be mad at you because you're a Christian. You know, You don't have to defend yourself and get mad. You represent Christ. You represent the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who is the meek shall inherit the earth, and you are going to inherit all things and have inherited all things. Last verse, yet they are your people, Moses says, 
and your inheritance, whom you brought out of, out by your mighty power and by your outstretched arm. Isn't that awesome? He just points everything back to God. God, you're the one who did this. And so we're going to stop there. I intended to get on chapter 10. I always try to get through two chapters, and I never make it. I just can't do it. So, <laughs> But that's okay. Good stuff, isn't it? It's a good reminder. And, you know, I love going through the Word of God and just seeing how God dealt with his people and just to see how he dealt with individuals and, and how that encourages my heart. It ought to encourage your heart that even in the Old Testament, he was a God of grace. He wasn't a God of anger. I mean, he was. He got angry, but if he was really uh, vindictive and nasty, he would have just killed them all. But even in the Old Testament, you see you know, Moses, he, he, he's allowed to live. And Aaron, he's allowed to live. Leaders, he allows them to live in, in spite of the horrible mistakes that they made. And, you know, when we make mistakes like that, God is just as gracious with us. And that's how we need to be with others, too. When they, when they make mistakes, whether they're a believer or an unbeliever, you know, to love on people. Because that's one thing we have in common. <laughs> We're all sinners. And, you know, we can come to a person who's failing, who's struggling in an area of sin. You don't have to bash them. We don't have to look at, you know, um, look at people and, 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 and get on their case. They know what they're doing is wrong. But to love them, and then when they ask you the questions... You know, is, is, is this really wrong, what I'm doing? And you can say, yeah, it is. You know, this is what the Bible says. You know? You know, this is what it says. Homosexuality is a sin. It's in the Bible. But guess what? So is fall, being a false witness, lying under oath. So is stealing. So is being a fornicator, a man and a woman outside of marriage, having illicit relationship with each other, that is just as much of a sin as homosexuality is. It's all in there. It's all a sin. So, but nobody wants to talk about that. But we don't have to bang people over the head. We can love them and earn the privilege to have them ask the question at the right time, and we can just tell them the truth. And you know what? They're going to see something about you that's different. When you do love them, regardless of their background, and you love them enough, and then eventually it just breaks down. It just takes the fire right out of their anger toward you. And then pretty soon they're going to ask, you know, what is it with you? The other Christians, all they do is bash me because, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm a homosexual or whatever, right? Why aren't you bashing me? Well, because God took your punishment. Jesus took your punishment for that sin on the cross. And so did your other friends, the two the man and the woman over there who are living in, a, living in fornication, he, he did the same thing for them too. It's not just about you, even though that's the darling pet thing of our culture. No, he, he paid for that sin too. That's sin just as well. But thank God that he is so good. He reminds us, and that's really what this book is about, is reminding them. So let's be reminded tonight of God's great love for you and me and to worship him and exalt his name forever and to share that name with everyone that we come across and just love on people. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your word, Lord, just what a, a searchlight it is and what a great comfort it is. Father, for us to read these wonderful, holy words of yours. 
Lord, we are so thankful, so blessed that you would call us your children. Lord, we pray that you would um, go before us tonight as we make our way home, Lord. Get us home all safely. Lord, tomorrow, Lord, go before us and conquer the things that we can't see or understand. Lord, give us grace as we wake up, Lord. Your word says that you daily load us with benefits, Lord. We pray that those benefits would be spiritually, certainly, but also physical, Lord, according to your perfect plan. Lord, you you bless us, Lord. And just to be in your presence is to be blessed, Lord. And we want to be blessed every single day, every single moment. So please have your hand on us, Lord. Encourage us in Jesus' name. We pray. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.